All right, I want to speak with you about uh, first fruits this morning. Amen. Are you blessed? Are you ready to hear? Uh, let me just give. My file has gone missing. Oh, just a moment. Everybody say, find it. Here it is. Okay, there we go. Thank you, Lord. Uh, how many of you realize that the first fruit, uh, a tithe is 10%, the first 10% of the harvest you already have in the barns? But first fruits is a sacrificial but significant portion of the harvest you desire and so what would happen with first fruits is when the the barley or the wheat would become uh, first begin to ripen not the full ripening of the field they would go out and harvest the first part of it agronomy will teach us that the first seed that is produced is the most healthy seed so if you were not a covenant israelite you would go out and you would harvest the barley or you'd harvest the, uh, the wheat and you would take it back and you would store it hoping that uh, weevils and moth or moisture or anything didn't get to it and damage the seed because the only potential to plant another crop lied in that first fruit seed which you had already harvested. But, everybody say but, but if you were a covenant Israelite you would go out and harvest that and you would bring it as a wave offering and you would wave it and you would give it to the priest because what you were saying I'm going to put my trust in you God that you can give me seed to plant another crop and in a key thing too when you study all this out from the history side of it the time that wheat and barley came to fruition or they're in Israel was a time of great hailstorm or hailstorm. Only once in my life do I remember when a hailstorm came through and it beat all the wheat off. It was nothing to harvest. We didn't even put a combine out there. I mean, it was all laying on the ground. We actually need a vacuum cleaner, you know, to go along and just get it off the ground. So that's something that that is that is crucial. But today, I've taught this many times in this house. There's some things I'll say out of the other messages, but we're going to talk about today of how it connects us to uh, with an alignment to the apostolic through first fruit uh, go to the second slide there um, I'm trying to get both these uh, coordinating together see alignment with the apostolic is accomplished through the principle of first fruit you know when you practice first fruit it moves you into a place and entitles you and empowers you not only to be aligned with apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, it also empowers you to be sent forth to do what you're, you're called to do. It's important. I'll be in Atlanta this week. <coughs> Excuse me. I'll be in Atlanta this week teaching on the line for conquest. And in the process of teaching that, we've got to understand there are, th there are many things that gives us a functional alignment. Well, you know, it, it's a lot. I've watched over the years in ministry, people come in and they want to be aligned with us, but they never align in their heart. Their agenda is not to be relationally aligned. Their agenda is, 
for me to give them the platform so they'll be successful. And, and so in that, it's not just about being sent out so you can go do something. It's about having that relationship. See, relationships produce life. Amen? Relationship produce life. And, and how many of you are in, at the place you are right now, you're into life? If, if I'm going to be, I don't want to be around death. I want to be around life. I want to be around those that, that sing. I wrote something this week. I'm amazed that all the writers, all the ministers out on Facebook, then in their teaching, they always give you about a paragraph of what's wrong with the church or what's wrong with it before they can tell you. You know, why is it we have to do that? You know, I, I don't believe you have to identify the counterfeit to, to validate the authentic. Amen? I believe if we just, uh, you know, let's get positive. Now, let, let me do a disclaimer. I'm an eternal optimist. I, di I just I happen to believe that all things work together for the good of those who love God and called according to his purpose. I read that in an old book somewhere. Amen? <laughs> With a book, that, the you know, number one read book. The, it's God's word. Are you hearing me? And so when we choose to believe that God can do this, it moves in. Go to the next slide. See, with our finances, uh, we, we can develop and deploy spiritual realities. How, how many of you know that finances, it, it, listen, do you, know, you know, Bill Johnson says this. You know, everybody listens to Bill Johnson, not everybody listens to me. But Bill Johnson says this. <laughs> Just being truthful, I'm going to quote him. I've been saying it probably before he did and everything. But four out of five scriptures that speak about honor are tied to finances. That's interesting, isn't it? So don't tell me that you want to honor me and, and you're not going to, you're going to be a taker and not a giver. I, I really want to finish this little book. I keep talking about it. And, it, and it's going to be the life's greatest lessons. And one of them is you can't help people who are takers and not givers. The kingdom functions on seed time and harvest. And if you're not a planner, and let me just tell you this, if you've got a call to ministry and you've got a ministry and you're tithing and giving offerings to your own ministry, you are missing it. Amen? Listen, you always tithe and give offerings to a life source. I, I used to not like it when Chuck Pierce would say, you always tithe and give offerings to those that are more legit than you. And I didn't understand what he was saying. That just didn't sound right. And then I looked at it. Let, let me tell you what, I, you know, there's a possibility. Who can I pick on today? There's a possibility that I've got more legitimacy than Mike, Mike Rush. Okay, now, can I use you? Let me tell you why. I've got more history. I'm older. I've been in ministry longer. I've got more. And it's not the the unrighteous history that gives us legitimacy it's the righteous history see we've we're when the word of god talks about calling evil good and and good evil what we've done is we got to revert we get a few bad policemen and they're out there and we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, make all policemen bad they're not all bad can I tell you something? Some of them and some of the mistakes that have been made, they're just human and they've made mistakes. Can you say amen? And so I'm not trying to justify. The last thing we need is a rogue cop. You know, we finally got through to, uh, why can I never remember his name? Who's the police director in Memphis? Michael Rollins. Yeah, I, I have, 
we finally have gotten through to Michael Rollins, and he's going to let clergy pray over every new badge that's given to a policeman. Now, let me tell you, when I got to finally sit at a meal with him and share this vision, what I told him, I said, it's not just for protection for your policemen that put them on. I've prayed there will be an anointing every badge that a road cop won't pin it on him. Amen? I believe God can impart anointings and convictions into inanimate objects. Are you hearing me? And so it's important to understand this. See, uh, I want to go back to the other one. Uh, with our finances, we, we develop those spirituality, but money produces alignment that releases blessing for breakthrough. You would, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to say that they, we use things in our languages. Not, I'm about to say you wouldn't believe, but you would believe. We're spending a lot of time every week on the phone with ministers who are needing a breakthrough, who've been thinking it's coming, they're not getting it. And I had, had someone call me this week uh, from down in the Lake Charles, Louisiana, and they, they said, I've been believing this is going to happen for 12 or 15 years. It hadn't happened. Well, you know, we're trying to find out what's wrong. And, I, and so as I talked to them, what I began to understand, they don't have the alignment. They need to do what they're supposed to do, you know, with it. They, you know, alignment is a key, a key thing. I, you know, align, your, alignment is about conquest. Marriage is not just about companionship. Marriage, it, the alignment of marriage is for conquest. Marriage is for conquest. There's a power of agreement. And so it's important that we do this. Go to the next one. See, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, who met Abram, or Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom... Also, Abraham gave a tenth of the part of all. See, the first means uh, being translated king of righteousness. Now, there, there's, see, he came into alignment with the Melchizedek priesthood at this moment. It goes on and said, and then also the king of Salem, meaning king of feet, see, who was without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but it made like, but was made like the Son of God and remained a priest continually. You know, the, the Melchizedek priesthood is in the earth today. And we're coming to understand more about it. When I was with Rabbi Kurt Landry recently, he told me something. They have actually now found a stone, a memorial stone, that is the Melchizedek memorial stone. And it, it, it there, they found it. And, and Rabbi is going to, I don't know if he did in his last trip, but he's going to be, be he wants to anoint it with oil. Because it, we're coming in. See, when we come together, fitly joined together as the one new man, we're going to function with it. We're, we're not going to have a beginning. <clears throat> I'm not talking about something spiritually spooky, but we're going to not have a beginning. We're not going to have an end because we're going to function on a whole other level. Do you know that the corporate authority of CityGate is far greater than Dan Billman's authority or Clay Nash's authority or Vicki Billman or Deb Russ? You know, Deb and them on Tuesday night have an enormous authority in what they pray to, into. You know, Larry and Hope Yancey and Dinah, when, when y'all do what you do, there's an authority there. But do you know that there's a greater authority when we come fitly joined together just through the power of agreement? And it has, you know, all authority is influence. 
<clears throat> but not all influence is authority. And we need to work off of, off of the authority. Go to the next one with it. Let me, let me go on mine here so I can kind of see where I need to be. Now, uh, I'm on the one that starts with Hebrews 7, 1 through 7 in front. I think it's number 5 if you can go there. It says, now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham, I'm reading out of Hebrews 7, 1 through 7, gave a tenth of the spoil. And indeed, those who, were, who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is, from their brethren, although they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had a promise. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. That's where Chuck gets this legitimacy. <coughs> if Melchizedek had no beginning and has no end, he's more legit than Abraham. And that was before the law. People want to argue, is, it, is, is tithing of the law? Is it old covenant, new covenant? Tithing has to do with honor. Are you hearing me? It has to do with honor. So you can look at my case and find me a, a throat thing. Abraham brought, next slide, brought himself into alignment with Melchizedek with his tithe. You know, it was the first time we see anything about taking communion. When he gave the first 10% to Melchizedek, he also took the bread and the wine. Melchizedek was allowed the privilege of blessing or empowering the promises that Abraham carried. We talked with a farmer yesterday who is harvesting about 25% more grain than any other farmer in his area. And he said he's come into an understanding of how Abraham blessed the land and he's learned to prophesy to his land. He doesn't just prophesy that it has to give him more crop. What he prophesied that it will release the nutrients that will cause the seed he plant to produce more crop. He was telling me some of his harvest, and it's amazing. And I know, <clears throat> you know, we can sound spooky today. I'm not being spooky with you. I mean, I have traveled. I really believe I could tell you I've traveled. I know somewhere over three and a half million miles I've driven in my life, in my lifetime, Okay having a trucking background. It's probably closer to $5 million. But soon to tell you, I prophesied all the time. The other day, we were going in our motorhome, going down the road, and a car come running up there. We were about to pull out and ride. I said, don't do that car. And they slid their brakes on and stopped. We don't, we, we're just not out there having accidents because we're prophesying to the things around us that has to come into apostolic order. And we've got to go to another place. See, some of you are right on the edge of this breakthrough, but if you'll speak life into the situation, there are things. See, I, I told this farmer, I gave him a scripture. I've studied for 10 years now where it tells Moses to take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And that's not talking about the ground was holy. What it was saying, you're a holy covenant man, and when you take your shoes off, the ground's going to be healed. And I, I, I promise you, I can make strong case out of the original language for this. And my point is, it's the same thing in first fruits. When you go out, <coughs> excuse me, and you honor the Lord with your first fruit, you get the promises that you're carrying empowered. 
Some of you were there the other day when Dutch sheets began to prophesy over us. I have to tell you, I was overwhelmed. I, I, you know, for two reasons, that some of the things he spoke publicly, he spoke, but I had just told Susan two months ago, I said, I, I, I know the Lord said to me that I'm coming to into a place, I'm not going to have to travel the people, the people are going to begin to travel to me. And I told Susan, I said, but I can't tell anybody that because that sounds arrogant. But now I can tell you because it was prophesied by Dutch sheep. Are you hearing me publicly? Does that make sense to you? But see, I'm coming in agreement with that word. I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not a big shot because I never, you know, a big shot is somebody a long way from home. I never get that far away from home. Amen? Distance is relevant. And so, you know, my point is, well, we've got to move into this, moving to the next one. Impartation. See, we've cheapened the value of impartation. We want to go to a conference and get an impartation. Let me just tell you, unless you have a relationship with Heidi Baker, you're not going to get an impartation to the degree that God wants you to have it. Impartations are relational. You'd be better to get me in her presence and let me catch something and come back and give it to you that I've got relationship with you than you trying to get in a line with that. It doesn't work that way. Everything God does is relational. See, there's no impartation without alignment. Elijah and Elisha, Moses and Joshua, Paul and Timothy. Next slide. Abraham brought himself into alignment with Melchizedek with the honor through his finance, through him giving his finances. You know, you, you have to understand, you come into alignment with Citygate. City, Citygate family, shareholder, is greater than you alone. God's going to deal with the isolation that's in the body of Christ today. You know, people come in, and they come here, you know, when, and they like it better when I'm here on Sundays. I mean, come on. Listen, that's immaturity. Everything that goes on on all the Sundays I'm not here represents the authority and the anointing that I'm carrying. Amen? You know, some of you, let me just share with you. We've had people leave this, not just Citygate Church, but leave this ministry and leave us. They've never produced because what happened was when they were in relational alignment with us, they became greater than they, I can't say really were, but greater than they normally are. And when they broke that relationship, they lose that, that significant greatness. Listen, you know, if you've not read my book, Relational Authority, how many of you have not read my book, Relational Authority? Hold your hand up. We'll forgive you. Okay. Let me just tell you, I want somebody at the table. For those that are here today, they're five bucks if you'll read it. If you're not going to read it, if, if you're not going to read it, you know, with that. And if you don't have the five bucks, you can owe us. Just don't owe us past the rapture, okay, with that. I'm telling you, you need to read the book. The book, I mean, we're, we, every time we go somewhere, someone said, oh, my God. I read your book and said the first seven chapters, all I could do is repent, you know, you know with it. I, I've looked at this thing wrong. Real, everything God does is relational. See, it's impossible to show honor without involving finances. Are you with me? Now, why did I do that? Here we go. 
Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. What's your possessions? That's everything. That's not just the part you give. That's honor him. Let me, let me tell you how you honor the Lord. How, how many of you got an, an old clunker that you're still driving, two or 300,000 miles? You honor it. You change oil on a regular basis. Amen? Add a little Lucas to it, you know? You know, we keep the air up in the tires. You know, it, it, it's not a bad thing to have a transmission filter and oil change on an annual basis on any car. You know, we, we have driven vehicles seven, over 700,000 miles. You know why? Because we maintenance them. I got a black, and my son got a black 2010 pickup that was mine. It's, it's right around 300,000 miles. Can I tell you, I got, a, I got one out there with 60,000 miles on it. I'd rather drive the old one. The motor's more broke in. It gets better fuel mileage. Part of the reason it gets better fuel mileage, don't, don't tell Uncle Sam, but we took government off of it. Amen? We kind of we did away with a few things to help uh, increase the fuel mileage, all right? It was grandfathered in. So, uh, and the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Everybody say plenty. What does plenty look like? You know, you know I hope the person... I hope whoever wins that, this, this mega million can handle it. Do you know that the history out there is that 95% of the people that come into it, they end up on drugs. They, I mean, this history is, is, is very sad and very sorrowful. Are you hearing me? So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. 5779, the new Jewish year we moved in, is the year of new wine. Amen. And so it's time to, to understand what God is doing. And we've got to move into that place. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5, 17, 18. Let the elders, everybody say elders. In, in some capacity, every one of you in this room is an elder to someone else. That doesn't mean you're older. It means you've got an expert, you've got a life skill, you've got training, you've got life experience that makes you more legit than someone else. That's just simply what it's saying. But let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Are you hearing me? The, la the laborer is worthy of his of, of his wages. Hebrews 7, 4 says, Now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoil. Hebrews 7, 7 says, Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Are you hearing me? Honor is the result of revelation. You know, we sow, we've sowed into Robert Henderson, we've sowed into Becker Greenwood, we sow into Roger Teal, we sow into Harold Everly, you know, all of this out of this house. We sow into Chuck Pierce, we sow into Dutch Sheets, we sow in, you know, I mean, about a year ago, we just sent, I think that might have been soon, then I personally, Jane and, and uh, uh, Tom Hammond, a, a, a gift, she actually texted me, said, what's this for? And I said, we just wanted to bless you. And I mean, you know, she said, thank you. You know, with that. You honor with that. See, we can own honor, we can only honor what we esteem through revelation. Abraham wasn't so impressed with himself that he couldn't see 
who someone else was. Listen, don't get caught up on your own press. You know, uh, I submitted three or four weeks ago, some of you know, this word on the Josiah company to Elijah Lynn, and I'd actually told Susan, I said, it's been three weeks, they're not going to publish it. And then all of a sudden, not only does it come out, Steve Schultz writes a foreword about it. I mean, I was blown away. And they went back and picked up Dutch's word about me and put in it. And I'm hearing from, I mean, I'm getting hundreds of emails. I mean, well, not, I, I'm getting around 100 emails so far. Uh, most of them have been from people that know me. I, I, it, that doesn't make me important, but God is the promoter. When you humble yourself and when you honor him. See, the history, first fruits and the tithe are not the same. The tithe is what we give after our harvest, while first fruits is what we bring before our harvest. See, some of you need to sow a seed today, a first fruit seed, for your breakthrough. I'm thankful that, that uh, Ian and Bree have their house sold. I'm thankful. We, Ed and Diana need a house sold. I prayed about that last night. They need that house to sell. I think they had almost a deal and it fell through or something. I'm, I'm not sure about the long distance, but, you know, God can do that. <coughs> Excuse me. Susan and I sowed first fruits when we had our house over on Newport. We gave that and we watched that house. We bought that house and lived in 11 years and it sold for more than what we bought for it. God gave us a blessing. It was easy. We had one little hitch on the sale of that house. We had an outlet that the inspector discovered. It wasn't even an easy outlet to notice. And he discovered it wasn't working. And I worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. Had people brought, you know, nobody could get it going. We couldn't figure out what to do. And so one day I decided I was going to pull all the wire out because it, it came in under the slab. Put it, and I started pulling. It got hung up, and I couldn't get it out. And I, you know, quit pulling on it. And uh, before we left, the guy was helping me. He, he plugged something into it, and it worked. Amen. We don't know what we did to fix it. You know, maybe Holy Spirit fixed it. You know, I I don't know, but I know that it it facilitated the sudden closing on a sale of that house. See, in Nehemiah 10, 30, 35 through thirty seven said. And we made ordinance to bring the first fruits of our ground, the first fruits of all our trees, year by year, to the house of the Lord. First fruits is something you do anytime. We do it two times a year. I, I want to say officially, but that's not true. We do it two times a year, maybe traditionally in this house. But you can give a first fruit anytime you're needing a breakthrough. You, you can give a first fruits when you're needing a promotion, when you're needing a raise, when you're, you know, we sow, you sowing for the harvest that you want. You know, you can give a first fruit to get a good deal if you're needing a car to get a good deal, to get financing. You know, we, we've done this. You know, I bought a truck just like I'm driving, got sick, called the dealership. They said, yeah, we'll hold it for you. Called them two days later, they'd sold the truck. Didn't hold the truck like they told me. You know, I didn't get upset at them. I didn't curse them. I didn't do anything. I said, you know what, Susan? There's a better deal. Truck I originally bought had 23 or 27,000 miles on it. The truck I bought, identical truck, identical year, everything, had 8,000 miles and bought it for $3,000 less money. Are you hearing me? See, all things can work together. <clears throat> and so you got to move in that. And it, 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 to the house of the Lord... It, it, the first fruit. I want to. I want to go to the next slide. 
I don't know why. Help me. There we go. Second Chronicle 31. Moreover, verses 4 and 5. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priest and the Levite that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in an abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all of the produce of the field, they brought it in abundantly, the tithe of everything. Are you hearing me? I could teach it very legalistically that the, the uh, first fruits actually go to the Aaronic priesthood, but I don't teach that here, but it, it does. I would love for this church to grow to where I could give up, I could give my salary back to you, and I just, my support out of this house would just be first fruits only with that. I believe God will do that eventually. I'm going to skip a few over, and uh, if I, yeah, I don't know what, go to the one that has numbers, uh, number 17. Numbers 18, verse 11 through 4, and this is also yours, the heave offering of their gift with all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I've given them to you. Look at your neighbor and say you. Your sons and your daughters with you as an ordinance forever. For when? Forever. How many of you believe today is forever? Amen. Tomorrow will be forever. This has not passed away. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. And the best of the oil and all the best of the new wine and of the grain and of their first fruits, which they offer to the Lord, I've given them to you. Whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean, say clean, in your house may eat it. That word clean there is not, it's, it's, a, it's a word of holiness, but it's actually a word for right relationship. Where's your relationship with the Lord? Is it, it, is it righteous? You've got to have right relationship with the Lord to benefit this. Everyone clean your house, may eat of it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. I don't know what's going on with my, my iPad. Go to the next slide. See, the priests were to be honored with the first fruit from the people. In Hebrews 3, 1, it says, Jesus is the high priest and apostle of the confession of your faith. What's your confession today? You know, I loved when we heard this farmer. I mean, he is a significant farmer in the state of Mississippi. When he was sharing about his testimony, his confession, he's confessing over it. I, we told him about a farmer we knew years ago. He's with the Lord now. His name was Merlin Booty from Kansas. And one year a drought came and nobody's wheat crop was growing. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I just want you to walk your wheat fields and command moisture to come out of the soil. He cut 60 bushels to the acre that year, and his neighbors on either side of him cut uh, less than 15, some of them less than 10. And the, the county extension, I, I read all the paper on it. The county extension agent came out. They couldn't figure out why. Why did moisture come out of the ground? You didn't water it. You didn't do anything. Listen, do you know that when the earth was first created, I mean, when God created the earth, it didn't rain. It came out of the ground. The, 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 in the, in the driest of the desert, there is moisture there. And God has the ability not only to bring it up out of it, he has the ability to supernaturally create it. 
I'm, I'm trying to help you understand what first fruit. We've got to, you know, Vicki prophesied to me a while ago about thinking bigger, dreaming bigger. You need to start dreaming bigger. You need to realize you can prophesy to that old clunker and it can go another 100,000 miles. Now, that doesn't mean you can run it without changing the oil, putting tires on it, putting brakes on it, servicing it. Amen? But it does mean that you can see it go. The next one, the two terms were linked together. The high priest of the old covenant is the reflection of the New Testament office, are you hearing me, of the apostle. I'll lay this down. I don't know what I'm really having trouble with this. There it goes. Behold, uh, in the next slide, Numbers 18, 21, Behold, I've given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as it is inherited in return for the work which they shall perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. You know, we're in the tabernacle of meeting today. I don't know what's going on. There we go. The Levites were supported by the tithe. Levite speaks of the local church ministry. The Levite then aligned and honored the high priests with their tithes. In Numbers 18, 26 through 27, it says, Speak thus to the Levites. Now, that, that's a commandment there. And say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I've given you from, from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe, and your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor as of the fullness of the winepress. See, God wants us to bring us in to where the new wine is flowing plentiful. And new wine speaks of joy. You know, if you're, if you're struggling under financial challenges, your joy is not full. Amen? You're, you're, you're struggling. You're, it will take away. See, the tithe aligns us with local church ministry. First fruits aligns us with the apostolic. People are not aligned unless they are functioning in tithes, offerings, and first fruits. The Hebrew practiced first fruits at the command of the Lord. The Lord ordained the feast of first fruits, foreshadowing the coming of the Holy Spirit. In Numbers 28 and 26, it says, Also, on the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering to the Lord at your feast of weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. In other words, you've got to set aside this first fruits and you've got to set it aside in a way that it will cause the production of your future. How many of you are dreaming for something? You know, that can be a house, that can be a business, that can be a promotion. Amen? It could be a healing of your body. It can be healing of a relationship. See, this was the day that, of the New Testament called the day of Pentecost. You know, in the dream that I had earlier this year about the thousand tankers of a, of a thousand year ancient oil that had been prayed over by the Jewish people for a thousand years, that speaks of a fresh Pentecost. We're seeing a fresh Pentecost. I can't remember. Have I, have I, have I been here since we were in Atkins, Arkansas? I mean, this church began in January asking for a thousand first-time salvations. They've had 80 this year thus far in a town of 4,000. Are you hearing me? I mean, an hour before the church service started, some of you need to hear this, an hour before the church service started, 
people were on, there'd be 70 people at the front end on the altar. The hunger was incredible. But let me tell you, the, the ingredients they had, we are not, we've not seen. The fear of God. On Sunday morning, our tongues came forth. Have I shared this here? Our tongues came forth, and then interpretation came forth, and it went something like this. For you've got adultery in your heart, and you're flirting with fornication, and the sin is going to be exposed, and da-da-da-da-da. And if you don't come and get right with me, I mean, it wasn't seeker-friendly. Are you hearing me? Five people ran to the front. Can I just say this because it needs to be said? One of them was a woman. See, we've made the sin of adultery and fornication worse for women than it is for men. It's no different. But we've made it more shameful that way. But five people, including a woman, came to the front and got right with God. I've been saying for 20 years, when we see the fear of Yahweh come back into the church, we're on the edge of revival. I believe we're on the edge of some awakening and revival. The Lord spoke. I'll share this with you. He, said, he spoke to me, spoke during the Mississippi Prophetic Summit. I want to tell you something. You need to watch this. You need to hear the words. And whether you live in Mississippi or not, you need to because Mississippi has been prophesied it's a rudder state to turn the nation. And if you live in Cattle Gap, Egypt, I mean, if you live in Michigan, I don't care where you're from, you still don't need to work these words so it comes to pass. But the Lord said that the council that put that Mississippi Prophetic Summit on, we're to go to Cane Ridge together. And while we're there, we're to get dirt from Cane Ridge and come back and spread it over the state of Mississippi because Mississippi is an awakening state. Come on. And we're going to do it. We're going to go. You know, the last thing we did, this wasn't announced because I almost forgot it, but the last thing that we did in, uh, at the dedication of the ark I had, uh, someone had given me a jar full of dirt from uh, Cane Ridge for the second great awakening. And we spread it all up and down that, that ridge right there. Why? Because we believe that that 353 acres of land is going to become a place that awakening is, is matured. See, I don't want an awakening that doesn't mature. I want an awakening that, that, that doesn't just mature people, it matures in itself. See, every year when they brought their first fruits offering, they were prophesying of the first fruits of the Spirit being poured out. In Romans 8, 23, it says, not only that, but we have also, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. You know, one of the things that God dealt with in uh, the Mississippi Prophetic Summit was the orphan spirit that's over Mississippi. I'm just telling you, there, there is a very, very strong orphan spirit. When we practice first fruits, we can expect the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come. Susan and I live, if you consider me being boastful, I'm trying to be, Susan and I live in a constant outpouring of Holy Spirit because we practice first fruits. We, we, we don't only give first fruits here. We'll be out in a meeting. I said, soon we need to give some first fruits into this. You know, we need to respond. First fruits is a way of life. It's not something that we do <clears throat> because we're religious or because we're commanded to. It's something we, I'm speaking about, we do it now because it's a way of life. Amen? Uh, you know, there, there are things that, that we do. You know, what, how, how many of you, when seatbelts first came out, you know, you didn't use them. But now it's become a way of life. 
you you put your seatbelt on you know in a it, it become a, a something that it will you know god forbid but it, it can be life-giving if 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 in an accident are you hearing me see when we practice first fruits we can expect the outpouring of holy spirit to come the secret of the jews knew that no other nation practiced was the first offered to the lord amen the first you know it's it's so important to understand that. I don't know what. I can't figure it out. It just does not want to slide. Go. What slide are you on up here? See, Abel offered the first and best of the flock. Go to the next one. I'll just preach off then. The sin of Cain was not that he offered crops instead of blood sacrifice. Go to the next one. The sin of Cain was that he offered the leftovers out of preference and not out of conviction. You can give today into this first fruits because you've, well, I think I'll try it. See if it'll work. See if, you know, see if it, it'll get me out of, out of jail free. Amen? First fruits is not a get out of jail free card. First fruits is something that you have to practice. Go to the next one. See, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel brought the, the first fruits of the flock and other fat, and the Lord respected Abel. Everybody say, respected Abel. How many of you want God to respect you? Then practice first fruits offering. Amen? And he respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Go to the next one. The spirit of Cain is alive and well in the church today. Jealousy. I, listen, there is a jealousy. It's a political spirit. It's what's held back Tennessee. Everybody, who's going who's to be the apostolic voice in Tennessee? You know, I haven't decided to be an apostolic. I just decided to be obedient to God. You know, I, I was very honored in the Mississippi Prophetic Summit because the others on the council kept coming to me and said, as an apostle in the state, we want you to decree this. We want you to declare this. I didn't ask for that. I really tried to sit back and <coughs> push the other leaders out <coughs> for them to do it. And so you don't decide to do something to make yourself. See, it, 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 it's alive and well in the church. It doesn't say don't talk to me or challenge me about money. Go... Cain lost his destiny by what he did at offering time. Go to the next. Offering time is always a time, a time that you're tested or a test time. Amen? Yeah, your heart is tested. It's about honor. Are you going to honor the Lord? Whether it's tithes, whether it's a, a, a peace offering, there's many kind of offering. The first fruits offering has the loudest voice. In, in heavenly places. Go to the next one. Second Corinthians 8.8. 8, I love this. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Go to the next one. Okay. Jericho was to be a first fruit offering. When the children of Israel marched into the land, God said the first city belonged to him. They made covenant. Listen, walking around Jericho seven times was not just, that's the magic number. It, it just like uh, Ruthie brought out, I'd never heard it in the meeting, Ruthie Young, 
that when a bride and groom, a Jewish bride and groom, that the, the, did they both, she say they both, or just the bride? I couldn't remember. To make covenant, they had to turn around seven times. We know they had to say their vows to each other seven times. That was a sign of covenant. Seven is the number of covenant. And when they walked around seven times, do you know that, that scientists and, and people are now saying they've gone to the spot of Jericho, and they're now saying that, that you know, there, is no, there is no proof of the walls. Now think about this. The scripture says, God's word said, the walls were as thick as they were tall. Now I want to paint you a picture. Think about this. If you push over a wall that's as thick as it is tall, it still is a wall. Amen? What happened was, and what is coming out, is that it looks like, I mean, I don't know how to say it looks like, but it just disintegrated. It became dust. It, it didn't even pile up in dust. It went smooth in dust. See, I believe the angel of the Lord came and danced on it, pushed it in the ground. I've wondered if the wall is still there in the ground or it just, you know, came all apart. See, God wants to remove the, the things that are inhibiting uh, you, wants to move you into a place of freedom, wants to bring you into a broad place. See, they knew this and they practiced it. Go, go with it. And it says, and by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become a curse when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse, a trouble it. But all, everybody say all. all. The silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Go to the next one. Through giving God the first and best, they consecrated the conquest of the land. I'm telling you today, some of you are so close to your breakthrough. You're so close to coming into that place of peace. You're so close. Someone said something to me in the beginning of the service. You're going to know I'm speaking to you. But you're so close to the breakthrough of coming out of that depressing season you've been in. You're so close to getting the victory that God has intended for you. You're so close to coming in to finishing up that creative idea. I think I've shared with you. I had a vision about a creative idea. I didn't know what to do. The company I talked to wanted $30,000. I didn't have $30,000 to bring it to fruition. And I shared this with some with a couple. And they've now paid an engineer to develop my idea. Didn't cost me anything. We sat with the engineer recently and, and talked to him about this creative idea and with that. And we don't know where it's going, but it's moving. And to, you know, how, how many of you would like to have lift? Amen? Anybody like to be lifted up? Well, let me tell you how you get lift. A plane gets lift by moving down the runway. And the air starts over the wings, it creates lift. And so, God, listen, just get a movement going. Move with that. Let me, let me go out. See, Abraham's offering of Isaac was a first fruits offering. That was his best. Can you imagine? What, what would it be like if God came to you and said, sacrifice your, your child? Lord. I mean, we'd all have problems. I mean, can't you just see Isaac? Dad strapping him down on the altar. He'd watch the dad carry a goat there many times and do this. And, you know, I, if I'd have been alive, I'd said, hey, Dad, <laughs> I'm not near as sure about this as you are. You know, I mean, come on. It had to raise some, some question there. 
Watchman Nee wrote in his, get, get your mind, Watchman Nee wrote in his book, he said the problem with the living sacrifice, look to your neighbor and say you're a living sacrifice. The problem with the living sacrifice is they keep trying to crawl off the altar. Amen? Go ahead. It says that, came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. One thing that Clay and I have noticed over our 30 years in the ministry is that more people didn't understand that God will test you when, when God doesn't do what he said he will do in your timing. We've seen so many ministers get dis encouraged and disenchanted with God and say, well, I guess God's not going to do it. I guess God doesn't do it. And we've seen them fall away into horrible things because they didn't understand what God will do what he says, but it's not always in our timing, but he will test us to see where our heart is in the process of the timing. So when we get to the place where we can say, okay, God, I know you're going to do it. I'm going to just trust you that you know the perfect timing. And, you know, most of the time the timing is he's waiting for you to get your heart right. And so it's a matter of trusting him to say, I surrender to when you want to do it. Go to the next slide. God will ask for what you love. If you've ever had a rebellious teenager, the greatest way to get them back is give them to God. In fact, that's a word right now for someone. Quit enabling them. Amen? Give them to God. Let them get their cup of iniquity full. God can deal with them better than you can deal with them. Amen? God, God can deal with their heart. He can deal with, with rebellious people. Go to the next one. See, by all, let me go back to that. By offering Isaac the first, he consecrated a nation of people and their destiny to God. The prophetic promise Abraham carried then became a sworn oath. Go to the next one. He said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing will I bless you. I go on and read the rest of it, but if we just stop right there today, blessing will I bless you. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2 says, I will lead you into a wilderness to test you, to humble you, and to prove what's in your heart. Amen? You know, alignment's not alignment to his, uh, relationship's not relationship to his tested. Alignment's not alignment to his tested. What are you going to do? You know, I, I've got a new relationship that we've been working with about a year, a church that was in trouble, and basically the young minister there wants me to tell them what to do. I don't do that. I'll offer you counsel. I can only speak into Dan Billman's life to the degree he honors me to speak into his life. If you come, if you come and, and, and sit with me and ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the truth. You can like it, you can love it, you can reject it, you can think I'm a heretic, you could do any of the above. I just recently uh, had someone who'd left a church somewhere and they were kind of, I felt baiting me and so uh, 
there was a statement I'd made to their pastor, the church they left, uh, and I knew I could say it rightfully, so I said I texted to them something about the pastor. And they went immediately. They, they don't like him, can't go to his church, but they went immediately and showed him the text. And not only was I testing them, I was testing him because he is now, you know, he didn't want to talk about it to see what was behind it, to see if there was anything to give me the benefit of the doubt. He just cut me off. Yeah, so be it. Amen? Does it hurt my heart? Does it disappoint me with that? But the point I'm trying to make is we've got to realize that he's wanting to bless us. He wants to multiply us. He wants to multiply our descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand, which is <coughs> on the seashore. He wants your descendants to possess the gates of their enemies. Bloodline cleansing. When I went through that bloodline cleansing with that seer out of South Africa, I broke something that was generational in our family, and, and I mean, it was broken forever. Are you hearing me? And it's important that we possess the gates of our enemy. Our enemy, you know, they, they don't even come at your weakest place. I had a spiritual father, Dr. Bill Lovett, said to me, you know, he said, the devil don't even lie about me truthfully. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I have some weaknesses, but the devil never uses my weaknesses to make up stories about me. He always takes my strength and lies about them. And you think about it. You know, he, he takes and twists. I, some of the accusations that's come against me over the years, I believe is in one of the greatest areas I'm fortified. Amen? And we've watched that as it, as it has come. Go to the, is there an, the next one? Are we getting... A prophetic promise you can mess up. Wrong interpretation. Amen? Wrong interpretation of what God's saying. Yeah. Or you can try to make it happen. Right here, standing right over there, one day in 2004, I was having a talk with God. He was laying out the vision about this territory. It wasn't about this church. It was about the territory. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't believe I have enough accountability to build what you're showing me to build. Who is it in this nation? I was standing just, I come up here to walk and pray. I was standing just about here. It was 2004. I said, who is it in the nation that has a great enough mantle of authority that you, I actually used the word covering. I no longer use that word. I said, that would, you'd have become my covering. And he said, Dutch sheets. And we waited for God to do it. And it was 2004, tough year, wasn't it, Dan and Vicki? And hearing this out. 2005 got worse. We had about 40 people. Leave. You know, we were running 60. We had 40 people, but maybe it wasn't 40. We had 20 or 30 people leave at one time, you know, with that. I mean, it was tough. Then uh, I think it was 2006 that James Gall came. James Gall did not prophesy anything new when he was here. When, on 2004, when all the ministers came in and prophesied over this house and over me and over Susan, James Gall just came in and re-prophesied what they had said. But immediately things began to shift. And then in 2000, late 2006, we came into uh, uh, so I mean, um, an introduction to Dutch. 2007, he came here. And with that, you, you know, when God gives you a promise, let God work it out. 
Don't mess the prophetic promise up by, by trying to make it happen. Go to the next one. A sworn oath. God will fulfill it. Three and I know. I know that God wants to bring me into a place of wealth that I can be a blessing to this house. Now, I was talking with a pastor the other day. My dream, young pastor, my dream is I just I don't want to have to draw any money from the church. I just want with it. I said, don't ever get to where you don't draw money from the church. Get to where you're able to give it back to them. You cut off the flow. If this house was not sowing into suit, then I, it would cut off the flow. But we already give a, a major form. But, you know, I, I, I'm just being honest. I think I have the qualification to preach on finances. Susan and I gave more into CityGate last year than anybody else. And we don't tithe here. Dutch Sheets gets our tithe. Is this okay? You know, with it, I'm, I, if you hear me being boastful, you're missing it. By us being the largest giver, we're taking the, lift, the lid off of this place. You know, the old adage is keep the pastor broke and he'll need us. And, you know, with that, you know, I had someone uh, recently say to us, they, they paid for a couple of fish dinners for us. And they, the person said to me, I, it, it almost angered me more than I should have let it. He said to me, well, I wanted to pay for years because I know, you know, preachers ain't usually got much money. And I thought, you don't know it. I could have bought everybody's fish here. You know, with it. And I wasn't being boastful. I, you know, listen, we're not wealthy, but I ain't broke. Amen? You know, and, and are you hearing me? You know, what, wealth, uh, having wealth is not all about money in the bank. Amen? I believe if I had a need today, there's probably enough people in here I could raise a few thousand dollars, you know, with it. I, you know, I don't have, and we're not doing that. All right, I keep going back to that one. See, why should we consecrate everything, every prophetic promise we are carrying through the acts of first fruits? Go to the next one. First fruits cause a blessing to rest on your house. Ezekiel 44, 30. Your house is not the place you slept last night. Your house is your lineage. I could talk about these twin girls back here. Amen. I could talk about these twin girls over here. I can talk about, you know, we have, we've got grandkids, but not great-grandkids. But one day, we'll have great-grandkids. Amen? It's going to rest on them. It's going to rest. I, got a, I had the opportunity last night to carry Dawn and Todd and, and Dean and Heather and Logan. And we went to Russo's and then a spiritual daughter, Sheree, came back to the restaurant and sat and we visited and we talked about things and we ate great food. There's nothing that honors me greater than to be, a, be around people that I love. But God wants us to move. Go to the next slide. Finishing up, y'all. Cause. For a blessing, the cause blessing is in response to something we do. Rest, that means it's not temporary, but it comes to stay. House. It's not the structure, but your lineage. Go to the next one. How do we function in first fruits? Go to the next one. Yearly. That's in Nehemiah 10, 35. I've already read it once. Go to the next one. Situationally. New projects, new businesses, new ministries, raises, bonus, you know, you know whatever should be consecrated and aligned through first fruits. Next. 
sacrificially and in faith. Luke 6.38 says give. Everybody say give. That's not a bad word. That's not a preacher's word. Amen? It's, it's a word of life. It's a word of the kingdom. It's a word of the earth. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You will determine what's coming to you by your willingness and ability to sow. Go to the next one. Hear God. We encourage everyone to hear the Lord. But also, when I use that word, be extravagant, what I'm talking about, the first fruits is always a significant sacrificial. Let me explain that. If Linda could give $75 today just very easy, it's not, it's not neither significant nor is it sacrificial. But if, if, if it would challenge, and not putting anything, but if it would challenge her to give $300 today, then that is significant and it's sacrificial. First fruits is always a significant offering and it's always a sacrificial offering. Am I making sense to you? Go just to the next one. I think I'm getting close to the end. Is that it? Not anymore? I think I finished up. Now, let me just talk for just a moment. It's 1231. We got to celebrate the Withrows. I got to go to Jonesboro. We got a lot to do, but it's very important. If you want to make a vow today, you can do so. I haven't counted up. Don't know if you can count up 50 days from now. We do that 50 because it's Pentecost. We do it because it's Jubilee. We don't put you under the law. If you can't finish it in 50 days, the vow you make, just finish it. Can I give you, how many of you would like to have a key if you're going to make a vow to be able? If you make a vow, pay something weekly. Something is a dollar. Amen? Something is $10. Something is $20. You know, depending on what side. But will you pray right now? The ushers are going to have first fruits offering envelopes. They're going to pass them out to you. If you want to make a pledge or a vow about what you're to give, this is not about so the church can have money. This is about getting you into a position so that you can be blessed. 